And as we read it, it's John chapter 17, uh, what's been called the high priestly prayer of uh, Jesus. And it's the end of his whole farewell discourse that we've been walking through during this uh, season of Easter. And what he asked, three, ta- three things that he asked for specifically. One, he asked for, to, for God to glorify him. He asked for God to protect the disciples. And then he asks for them to sanctify, to set apart the disciples. Let's, uh, let's pray together and then we'll read Jesus' prayer. Gracious God, we give you thanks again for your written word. As it speaks to us, witnesses to us of your living word. And we ask that your Holy Spirit, alive within us, would open our eyes, open the very portals of our soul that we would receive from you. So that we, in each of our way and for us as a community, would, would apply, would apply your word, would, would obey your word, would, would carry out the mission that you have for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. John chapter 17, starting with verse 1, it's found on page 879 of your pew Bible. and um, Or you can follow on the, on the screen. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given Him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence, with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I've made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave to me I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I'm asking on their behalf. I'm not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me, because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me. I guarded them and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I've given them your word. And the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. But I ask you to protect them from the evil one. 
They do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, so that they also may be sanctified in truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I had to summarize the first paragraph where he, he asks for, Jesus asks for God to glorify him. What, what, what he's saying here is, I have, I've recruited the team, I've developed the team, I've, I've completed the task that you gave me to accomplish, now bring me home in glory. Jesus is aware that it is time to go home and he is aware that he is about to undergo suffering. Suffering and pain that the world has never known before. Because it is completely and totally unjust. But he recognizes in his first part of his his final prayer, of his closing prayer, that he has accomplished the task that the Father has given him. And that task he gives us in verse 2. Since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And in verse 6, I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. He was given a task to connect a group of people with God, with the Father. To make the Father's name known among them. To make the very character of God known among them. He says, I have come to give them eternal life to a group of people. To recruit and develop a team of people and to give to them eternal life. Then verse 3, he defines what eternal life is. And this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. His purpose, the task he was given, was to come among us so that we would know our Creator. In a real, live, vibrant, personal relationship. When he uses the word know here, as often is the case, and as I've said a number of times, it's not just a head knowledge, but it is an intimate knowing, a whole life knowing. Adam knew Eve, and Eve got pregnant. Intimate knowledge, intimate relationship to know one in a biblical way. That's the kind of knowing that Jesus was sent to accomplish between the Creator and the creation. To to show, to demonstrate, to be God in their midst. And then verse 4 tells us that He finished the task. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. Interesting. I mean, he's saying this before the cross. Now, I think he's including the cross 
But he's including a whole lot more than just the cross. At times, we get so focused on the cross that we forget that Jesus' whole body of work, which was his entire life, that his whole life was given to the work that God asked him to accomplish. His birth, his his life, and his death, and his resurrection are all to accomplish this task of helping us and helping the unbelieving world to know God, to believe in God, to experience God face to face. The cross is the ultimate expression. As Jesus demonstrates the sacrificial love of God, demonstrates that God not just knows how to love, not that God loves all the time, but that God is love. It's the very air that He breathes. It is the lifeblood of God, love. As as Jesus demonstrates that ultimately at the cross and throughout His entire life, He has finished the task that the Father had for Him. And it's now time to go home in glory. Think think about that for a minute. I mean, this is upside-down kingdom kind of stuff of how God is so different than the ways of the world because the way that Jesus is going to go out in glory is to be hung on a cross on three nails. And that is the ultimate expression of His glory because it's the ultimate expression of the sacrificial love of God. That his task has been completed. He can go home in glory. I mean, really, what did Jesus accomplish? He doesn't have any degrees after his name. Nor any titles before him. Doesn't own a business. He maybe made some chairs and stuff that maybe still be around today. Didn't write a book. Didn't make a movie. Didn't even travel very much. Aside for a little... Infant jaunt down to Egypt and back. And even at his funeral, had about 120 people. I mean, from the world's perspective, just what did he accomplish? But from heaven's perspective, he has accomplished the very task that God had required him to do, the very salvation of the world. Shows us just how distinctly separate are the values of heaven and the values of the world. He accomplished God's task because his heart was set on what God wanted. His heart was set on doing what the Father's will was to do. And now, the final step, he was crying out to God, Glorify me in this final step, this greatest act of demonstrating, living your sacrificial love to the world. Secondly, he then prayed. Now, this team that we have brought together, protect them. This, this group of people that, that are following with me, that are in line with me. They may be clueless. They may not understand it all right now. They, they don't understand, but they know me. They know you. They know that I've come from you. Protect them. Verse 11. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. 
Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. So Jesus is saying, I protect them. I, I'm leaving. It's a little different, you know, than way what Joe is sharing. A little bit more, a little different than when you send your teenager into the world at 16, you know, driving on their own. Oh, God protected them. It's a little different because in this case, Jesus is leaving. And his team is there and he's saying, God protect them. And look at the first thing that he says, how to protect them. Make them one. I'm not going to talk too much about that because that's the very topic next Sunday, but I can't just skip right over it. Because it's the first thing that he mentions. To protect them from the ways of the world and the evil one. I wonder... I wonder why it's the first. It must be because it's so crucial. It's absolutely crucial that that we are one, that we are locked arm in arm around Jesus in order to protect us from the ways of the world and the ways of the evil one. And it must also be because it's a great weakness. I think it doesn't take much imagination It's rather clear to see that, not only in the history of the church around the world, but even in the history of our church. How hard it is to stay as one. Another reason it's first things, not only because it's so important to protect us from the ways of the world and the evil one, but it's also because it's one of the ways we demonstrate God. That's exactly what he says there. Make them one because we are one. And if we are the body of Christ, if we are now carrying out the task that Jesus has accomplished and now we sort of grab the baton from him, he passes it on to us, we have the same thing to do that Jesus did, that we are to show the world Jesus, we are to show the world God, then one of the clear ways we show the world God is by our unity in him. And one of the terrible ways that we really cause a lot of static in the message then must be that we're not one. Before I move on, just a a challenge for us. Are there ways that seeds of discord have been formed in you within the church. Do you look at those in the other worship service and say they're dead? If so, confess your sin. Admit it before God and be cleansed for our protection. There are others in the body of Christ who are very different from you, but they are worshiping Christ with you. And you see them as less than a brother and sister in Christ. Please, for the sake of the protection of the work of the church, confess your sin. Do not let that weakness be an entry point for the evil one in the world. It's that crucial to our protection. 
verse 13, then, he gives us the second way. Not only being one, but now I'm coming to you and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. As we live in the joy of the Lord, in a sense, that's like the antibodies. You know, it's that they are at work in us as a body and that it's the joy of the Lord that works to fight any infection and weakness that may come within us. I think how crucial these things are and the first things that Jesus is praying for the disciples. The first things that Jesus is praying for the church before he leaves and how crucial it is that this is in our vision statement as we pursue being a jubilee community as we pursue continue to carry out the task of jesus first and foremost we say we are trying to connect with one another in jesus no matter what our differences are because we know being unified is that crucial to carrying out the mission and we say that we seek to celebrate jesus We seek to celebrate what Jesus has done, what He is doing, what He will do, no matter what the circumstances might be, because we know there are no worldly, earthly circumstances that we can encounter, that can negate the work of Jesus Christ in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, and His impending return. That is the joy of our life. He is the joy of our life and nothing in this world can steal it. And that's a very protection against the ways of the world. Verse 14 and 15, again, He points out clearly who the enemies are. That He wants to protect He wants the Father to protect us from. I've given them your word and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. Both the work of the world and the work of the evil one will directly oppose the work of Jesus in us. And by the world, like I said last week, it doesn't mean the creation. I mean, the creation is good. But the world is the very, the cultural structures, the the mores of the world, the, the, the ways of the world that oppose the ways of God. It's really, in a sense, the water in which we swim outside the community of faith. And the evil one is the very personification of evil. I mean, Paul made it clear, our enemy is not flesh and blood, but our enemy, instead of Ephesians, end of Ephesians, Ephesians 6, where he says, our enemy is not of flesh and blood, but against the principalities and powers of this evil world. Friends, we are in a battle. We are in a battle with these powers that are around us. Please do not underestimate the power of evil around us. And look what it did to the very 12 disciples. The 12 folks that were hanging out with Jesus. Who saw the miracles, who heard the sermons. Who were with Him day in and day out. And the evil powers that be were able 
to secure Judas to betray him and to lead the disciples to deny him. Peter, three times, right in front of his face. Jesus, as he's on his way out of the world, headed back to the glory that was his before the creation of the world, but he knows the battle in which we are in. And so he's praying for the Father, protect them, keep them, keep them safe in you, keep them from losing their faith, keep them from giving up the task of sharing you with the world. Which leads to then his final prayer in verse 17, his final request, sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. When when he's praying for, for God to sanctify them, what he's praying is set them apart for this mission. Keep them on the mission that you gave to me that I now give to them. My mission, Jesus is saying, is now their mission. Our vision as a church must be Jesus' vision for us. That we carry the baton that He passes on to us. It's why we connect with one another in Jesus. It's why we celebrate Jesus no matter what the circumstances. And it leads us then to be set apart, to be sanctified, to serve the world like Jesus served the world no matter what the cost. Like Jesus' heart was set on the Father's heart to love the world we are called to go in the same direction, to carry out the same purposes, to serve like Jesus served, to bless the children, all and one, to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, to proclaim the truth, to invite all into a journey with the living, loving Creator. Like Jesus, to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives and sight to the blind. When we are, we are set apart, we are sanctified, Jesus is hearkening to the, the language of the Old Testament where the priests were sanctified for God's purpose. They were made holy. They were made right and able to do it because of the sacrifice of animals. Well, now Jesus is the very sacrifice. He is our sacrificial lamb. And it's in Him that we then are sanctified, that we are made right, that we are set apart to carry out this mission and task. The writer of Hebrews says that very same thing in chapter 9, verse 13 and 14. For if the blood of goats and bulls with the sprinkling of the ashes of a heifer sanctifies those who've been defiled so that their flesh is purified. Again, talking back to the Old Testament sanctification of the priests in the temple. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, purify our conscience from dead works to worship the living God? Jesus 
sanctifies us. He sets us apart. He makes us holy. Each one of us for this task. You may be saying, I am not worthy for this task. I don't have the gifts and abilities. How in the world do I participate in the task that Jesus carried out? Well, you know, you're further step along than those of us who think, yeah, I got some stuff I can bring to the table to carry out this task. Because <laughs> you're right. We don't have anything to carry out this task unless we carry it out in Jesus. He is the one that sanctifies us to serve the world. And what great ways that we as a, a community of faith are trying to carry that out. Whether it's in Treehouse that tutors children. Whether it's through Feast of Love that just had a Camp S'more gathering last week. Whether it's through Sunlight Power goes around the, the, the world bringing light with a small L and a capital L to the world. Whether it's through the youth ministry going to Budapest this summer or the Appalachian. I saw the Angies over there going to hang out with them to carry out the task of serving like Jesus. Or the ways that each of us do it as we disperse from here in our own settings. The way that we show God to the world. That we serve the world like Jesus, whether it's in our home, in our neighborhood, whether it's at school, whether it's our workplace. There are a lot of tasks that we have that all point to this one. But realize this, wherever you go, this week, you have a primary task of showing God to the world. Whether it's in biology class or the biology lab. Or the funky biology that can happen in the refrigerator at home. <laughs> you have a task, a mission of showing Jesus to the world in that. You know, there are other needs that surround us. To get this, this just, just this week, the last couple days. You know that Pleasant Hill School, which is the neighborhood school for here, the non-magnet neighborhood school for here, you know what they, they have asked the church to bring a tutoring program into the school. Do you get that? They, they have asked the church to bring a Christian tutoring program into the school. Now the real question is the church going to stand up and fill those needs? Or would you much rather just moan and groan, they don't let prayer in school, la, 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 la. I don't know, every time I've gone in school, I've prayed, they've never thrown me out. <laughs> Read in the paper yesterday, you know, 20% of the children between like 5 and 8 in the state of Ohio are what they call nutritionally challenged, which means they are a step away from not having enough food. Just... On the edge, 20%, one in five. I imagine, they didn't give the statistics for the city, but I imagine for our city it's even higher because a third of the children in our city live in poverty. You know, there's 800 children in Hamilton County who are foster children. They're what the Bible calls orphans, the ones that James says true religion reaches out to love them in the book of James. 800 foster children in our county who do not have foster homes today. The needs are great and they're all around us. 
We also have the opportunity, the regular opportunity of of sharing, not only of serving the world like Jesus in those kind of physical ways, but also in in sharing, in, in serving the world like Jesus by sharing the love of Jesus and the forgiveness that comes through Him and inviting others to join the team. And we're going to start making it a habit in a a lot of our events to have no event that is just for us, the church. And so what you're going to receive on the way out today is a Galilee by the Sea. What we're going to do this summer, an opportunity to continue to explore the love of God. The love of God in the church. And, and so what you'll see, and that maybe, is on the front page will be an opportunity for you to show how you will serve in that capacity in carrying out this ministry. And then the second page is, is for your friend, particularly for your unchurched, non-Christian friends, those that might benefit from who are curious, interested, who are glad to come or send their child or come with their child, look forward to an opportunity, or they just want to be with a group of people. This is an intergenerational, from the youngest to the oldest, there's a a place for you here. But the key thing is, it's not for us only. It's for us and for our friends. And, And we're going to be doing this regularly so that we get in the habit of not thinking of the things that we do being for us. But the things that we do are to carry out the task that Jesus has given us when He left. The very mission of showing the love of Jesus to the world. You'll get one of these on your your way out. And be praying now. God, where's the part of the world that you want me to make this invitation? The needs, the opportunities, they abound. And recognize this, we're not going to solve them. We're we're not going to solve the needs and we may never solve the needs of the world. And that's not our ultimate goal. That's not the task that Jesus gave us. He didn't say, go save the world. That's God's job. He gave us the task simply of showing the world who Jesus is. He gave us the task of showing the world who God is and His love. And to do so against the great enemies that we face. But Jesus is clear in what He teaches and what He does that regardless of those enemies, He has conquered them. He's conquered the world. And in the power of the resurrection, He's shown us the very conquering power even over the evil one himself. I want to take just a few moments of silence. And I want you, with with God, to ask Him to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus and pray. To first ask yourself and ask God, what team am I on? If someone saw my life, would they notice the team jersey? Would they know what team I was on? Maybe today's the day to ask the question, wait a minute, you know, 
I just sort of thought I walked forward. You know, Jesus saved me and now I get to go do what I want and be saved. Sorry. His invitation is for you to join the team. It may be a good time to ask the question, what team am I on? And if the answer to that is, I want to be on Jesus' team, then ask God, what position do you want me to play? What position do you have for me to carry out your mission, your task that you've left for us to do? What team am I on? What position do I play today? Let's take a moment in prayer. Gracious God, speak to us. Speak to us individually. Speak to us corporately. As a, as a people. As a, an expression of your church, of your team. Show us the ways you're calling us to continue carry out the mission. We join with Jesus. Sanctify us. Set us apart for your tasks, for your mission, and that we stay on your mission. Protect us from the ways of the world, from the ways of the evil one. Protect us from the subtle ways and the blatant ways that we are sidetracked, that we are, that we drift from the mission you've given us or that we deny it. Speak to us. Protect us from ourselves. Protect us from the ways of the world and from the ways of the evil one. For we desire, or if we don't desire, we we desire to desire to be your people. To truly fulfill the, the jubilee community that you've called us to be for your glory and your honor. We do want you to connect us to one another in Jesus, no matter our differences. We we seek you to, to help us, to lead us, that we might serve the world just like Jesus did. That we might serve the world like Jesus, demonstrating your sacrificial love for the world no matter what the cost. 
And gracious God, we pray that you will help us to, in the midst of that to celebrate you, to celebrate your love, to celebrate Jesus, to celebrate the power of your Holy Spirit, no matter what the circumstances. May we focus our attention on Jesus no matter what, so that celebration, so that joy is an element of our lives. And gracious God, we need your Holy Spirit. For it's only through the power of your Spirit that we, we are able, that we are empowered carry out your task and your mission and to do as Jesus told us to do even greater things than he did thank you that we can come before you that we can lift one another up to you that we can like Jesus pray for each other and pray for your church and Lord you know the concerns you know the issues you know the the pains the struggles you know where we need your touch Continue to pray for Tim Duncan and Pauline Bacon and your healing hand upon them as we lift up one another to you. And gracious God, as a church, we lift ourselves up to you in the the midst of uncertainty, in the, the midst of these economic times, in the midst of the continued desire to serve you and the being surrounded by the pain of our world. We are thankful that you continue to carry us, that you do protect us, that you have indeed conquered the world and the, the, the evil one. So as we now continue to, to worship you, as we make our offering unto you, we give not only the money that we give, we get ourselves to you, we give the church to you, we give our neighborhoods, our homes, our, our city, we give back to you all that we are so that it's used for your task. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.